0: This episode is sponsored by InfoPro, winner of the best core banking solution provider at the 2020 Banking Technology Awards for InfoPro Digital Core Banking. Hello and welcome to What the Fintech, uh, your favorite podcast from the team behind Fintech Futures and the Banking Technology magazine. I'm Alex Hamilton, deputy editor at FinTech Futures, and joining me this week are Sharon Kamathi, my editor at FinTech Futures, hey, and Ngoc Chung, chief digital officer at InfoPro.
1: Hi, Alex.
0: Hi, welcome to the podcast. Uh, this week's episode we're going to be uh, is titled "Keeping Up with the Dashians. We're going to be talking about core banking and InfoPro's win at the Banking Technology Awards. Uh, first up, as usual, though we are doing our weekend numbers number segment. Segment, we've all gone out and found uh, our favourite stories this week. With some interesting numbers and figures in their headlines to uh, talk about. Uh, Ek is our guest, so uh, he has the honour of going first. Um, Ek, what's what's your weekend numbers story?
1: Thank you, Alex. So um, my number is about uh, ten million dollars in an uh, acquisitions deal. Okay, this is a, about an Indonesia P2P lending fintech with the name of Alami, which acquires a rural bank with a $10 million deal. So with the likes of Alami, we saw there are many fintechs venturing into banking in Asia. Uh, specifically, like uh, Welet we Bank is another similar example of fintech lending platform which has launched uh, digital banks in Hong Kong. While virtual banks is booming in Asia, we see two different approaches for fintechs to acquire a new digital bank license. So number one is the first approach is where they, uh, to acquire an existing rural bank, like what Alami is doing. And the second approach is where to leverage on the new digital bank license issues by a, uh, different jurisdiction from different countries. For for instance. Hong Kong being the first to set up the digital bank regulated framework and has issued eight licenses in 2019. And that followed by Singapore with another four licenses this year. And we also foresee that Malaysia, Philippines, and Indonesia are expecting to issue more licenses in this region. And we see a strong headwind on the digital banking fever in Asia. Yeah,
0: uh, excellent, this is uh, this really shows the uh... As you mentioned, Enrique, it really shows the the raft of new companies that are coming through. but in in East and Southeast Asia, I mean, you mentioned there, Singapore. It's uh, we've reported a number of times on the uh, the the hot competition between lots of firms trying to grab uh, the digital banking licenses issued by the Monetary Authority of. Uh, so many firms have have uh, have gone for it, and we've had um, I think licenses granted to to grab to to Ant and to a few telecoms firms um it's been a it's been a pretty pretty long race for a lot of these firms trying to get into the space so it's interesting to see how alami has um in indonesia of course not singapore but alami has uh acquired uh the sharia compliant bank uh bprs sent back i mean um to uh essentially to uh, the, the deal ostensibly was to furnish it with enough capital to comply to new with new limits but i imagine there'll be uh a lot of expansion in terms of the services and products offered by by that bank uh, following following this ten million this ten million dollar uh, deal. It says that it, it aims to rapidly expand into healthcare, farming, logistics, and groceries. I'm sure the FinTech will help it with that. Um, but yeah, an, an interesting topic for sure. Uh, what do you think, Sharon?
2: Yeah, um we did talk about digital banking um in the Asia Pacific region as well when we had Tomorrow Bank on too. And it just so shows that it's uh definitely an area that's been expanding and growing, especially when it comes to the product offerings too. I mean, as we you've just mentioned that uh with the LAMI it's going into all these various different sectors as well, like Uh, Farming, um, as well as groceries and and Sharia compliant um, banking, too. So, hopefully, um, Indonesia will just essentially keep expanding. I mean, uh, just I I think a a few days ago, uh, we did report on Jakarta's wealth tech, Pluang, uh, who raised 20 million in pre Series B funding, um, which was led by Open Space Ventures. Um, and we've seen that Indonesia has essentially just been, uh, booming, uh, with various others in the Southeast region, such as PayFaz, who have invested 13 million as well in Xfast to form Faz Financial Group. So consolidation as well, uh, is a huge topic, which is, uh, one of our banking technology magazines, uh, topics for, for the month as well is how, uh, mergers and acquisitions have certainly been a key driver, uh, especially when it's uh, coming with uh, all this COVID concerns, you would have thought that it would have actually dropped in activity, but it's still raring the go. Um, and also fintechs utilizing existing banking's licenses as well uh, is something that we mentioned in the previous podcast too. But yeah, I'll let you crack on with your uh, next news and numbers, Alex. Sure,
0: thanks. Uh, yeah, my, my, my number uh, is a small one uh, this week. It's uh, only 111, but it's a a number of import and it's a number that signifies sort of a big change that's happening in the industry because it's the amount of branch closures that uh, UK Bank and Santander uh, has announced uh, over the past week, uh, affecting around 840 staff. Obviously, Santander, one of the major banks in the UK, operated by Banco Santander, Spanish banking group. Um, The bank says its decision is part of a uh, a longer term strategy, uh, which has been uh, our favourite word following uh, or in the wake of the the majority of the pandemic has been accelerated by COVID-19. The bank says that branch usage by customers has fallen considerably over recent years uh, and thus has made the difficult decision to consolidate its presence in areas where multiple branches are relatively close together. Uh, The bank says it's only going to be closing banks within three miles of another location and the effective staff will hopefully be moved into other roles within the organization. Um, the 111 brings uh, Santander's branch presence down to 452. Uh, now, to back up its move, Santander said that transactions in branches fell by 30% in the two years prior to the start of the pandemic. So 2018 to 2020. Uh, and since since then, it believes that figure has fallen by a further 50%. Uh, bank's also shifting its headquarters from London to Milton Keynes because it wants to reduce the amount of space it rents in the UK capital. Uh, That move is going to affect more than 5,000 office staff, um, with most being asked to work from home. Uh, Now, we know that in 2020, Santander experienced its first ever loss in its uh, 163-year history. Um, The bank also revealed a 35% dip in pre-tax profits at the start of this year. Uh, It's an interesting story because Uh, Obviously, we're experiencing branch closures across the world. Uh, In in the UK and Ireland alone, we've had Bank of Ireland, TD Bank, M&S Bank, uh, Tesco also announcing uh, similar changes um, with their their locations inside the Tesco stores. Um, And also the UK's FCA has called on major banks to to reconsider their branch closures, um, which it said after HSBC announced 82 closures last year. Um, The watchdog is is keen to remind firms about the impact of national restrictions on on compliance uh, and says that it's concerned that these activities might have significant consequences on customers, Um, which research uh, in the UK uh, firm suggests that between uh january 2019 and december 2021 to so the end of this year as many as 4,000 branches could have been closed uh we're looking at a rate of 11 a week so it's a it's a rapid uh change um but one brought about by circumstances and like we said that acceleration of digital change um oftentimes though banks fail to think about the most vulnerable in their community who may rely on their bank branches but what do you think about this sharon
2: yeah, we've been speaking about branch closures pretty much on a regular. Um, and I mean, with this latest branch closure with Santander, um, and if you mount that up with also the HSBC closures, um, and also there's the Bank of Ireland and TD Bank cuts, it is quite, um, a growing concern. And I'm glad that the FCA did flag it up, but. At the same time, I do feel like there needs to be more action if they really do mean that these banks should not be closing these branches. Perhaps there should be some sort of action or strategy plan as well for those communities who would actually really need some of these branches to stay open. Like what is going to happen to people living in rural areas where you really do need to be able to go into your branch to do banking? Or for example, if you are um, not able bodied and you do need to be able to go into a branch to, to work certain things out because you can't use your laptop or phone for whatever reason for whatever transaction you're going um, in there for. So it does seem like a growing concern of just how many other institutions too have been closing their branches. Um, and since we were talking about um, digital banking and the the growth of it in the Aegean region, I was wondering if you had anything to
1: add to it at all, EK? Hi, thanks, Sharon. So basically, basically in my view is that uh, I think the the closing of branches happened even before COVID-19, right? So that is resulted in the digital transformations whereby we are looking at uh, the bank is strengthening on their packed expenses. At the same time, they are looking at the, transforming the way they service their customers. So uh, obviously, pandemic has accelerated the effects of the digital transformation on the branch transformations because uh, Mainly because the uh, SMEs or the customers already moving online, okay. So the I would say the bank may wanted to actually consider to move their business online to match against the change of the customers' behaviors, also.
2: Yeah, and I guess um, with customer behavior and customer management is a good segue for me to bring up my um, news and numbers. So um, my news and numbers is ninety thousand US dollars. That's ninety thousand US dollars. Um, And that is the amount that was essentially frozen or withheld from an investment manager um, in the UK with no real response for months from Revolut. So uh, the fund manager made the transaction from his US corporate bank. He's part of an investment management group and company. And this shareholder loan, uh, which was going to his personal bank account, should have essentially been done within the requisite amount of time, which is usually around five, maybe if you're pushing it 10 days. Um, And he made the transaction around the middle of January and he began his correspondence searching for his funds um, on the 19th of January um, when he was uh, talking to his US bank correspondence. Um, And the thing that I want to flag up is that when he was talking to his US bank, um, he was actually put in touch with a, a customer advisory or relationship manager um, who was just going to work on his case. Um, and that's important because when he then brought it up to Revolut, he actually could not act, like receive any attention specifically to his case from one case manager. It was just through the chat bot um, and it was various chat uh, liaisons, if you will, there were roughly over 21 um, different chat agents that he spoke to with various different names. I I wrote them all down so that way um, we can have a laugh about it. But yeah, So you have Olga, Adeline, Rita, Matty, April, Rita again. And I was wondering when it comes to the same name, is it even the same person? Um, And it seemed like it wasn't because they couldn't recognize what was actually going on. Um, So it went on for some time. And of course, he was very, very concerned. And the thing with this one is that he was actually an investment manager within this fintech space. So within um, software as a service and AI and um, challenger banks. So he was actually very confused about this entire situation because he thought that this is you know, a good company that he relied on for many years. Um, And he's an advent supporter of fintechs as well. So... I mean, he he was reading up on the various blogs and uh, Twitter accounts and Reddit users and Facebook groups who've essentially got their funds stuck by Revolut as well. But he just didn't think for some reason that it was actually going to happen to him. And the sad thing is it could happen to anyone. Um, and speaking of anyone, there was a person who directly after my initial um exclusive story about the Romanian uh, lawsuit against Revolut in September reached out to me saying that my funds have been stopped as well. And that was £15,000. Um, and that was for his son in order to actually live and enjoy university. It was made that he saved up for his son um, whilst his son was uh, coming to UCL, University College London. Um, and his son was obviously going to be struggling, which he did. Um, And it was during coronavirus as well. Um, So I just thought that that was definitely a trend to highlight in this piece is how there was a lack of not only compassion, but actually strategy when it comes to customer management of your banking accounts. You would like to think that they are people behind this. And Revolut's response to me was that we do actually – have you know high standards of AML protection um, and we're not suffering from understaffing, which is what the investment manager thought. He was giving them the benefit of the doubt. He was like, perhaps they're understaffed. But if Revolut is planning to expand, which it is in America, um, then it does need to sort this customer service issue out. If you are a digital bank offering these digital service and purely through your chat agents, then it's got to be better. You've got to find something that's a bit more manageable um, when it comes to actually speaking to your customers and and being accountable for your situation. But what do you think about it, Alex? I know this one was just a breaking story of sort of drip fed you some information as it was going on. Um,
0: But what are your thoughts? I mean, uh, it's a, it's a big one. And well, fantastic work I have to say Sharon on, on covering this in, in the detail that you have um some proper good stuff and that's why everyone should read FinTech Futures because we're good at this stuff um <laughs> so uh yeah I mean it, it's it, you hear every time we write a story about Revolut, we have a uh a slew of comments um it could be even a small story about the company, uh, with people commenting saying, "I ha- I can't get my money, uh, uh, please help me." And it's sort of we look at it as journalists and be like, "Well, we can't, we can't help you. We've written stories about it, but we always get uh, stories of people who've had money frozen." If you go on the the Revolut um, Reddit subreddit, which describes itself as a subreddit for fans in air quotes of Revolut, pretty much half the stories there from people talking about how they've had funds frozen and they don't know why. Uh, I mean, I, I, I've got it up in front of me now and, uh, there's someone here who just says, uh, Revolut is making me feel like a fraudster and a thief. Um, I can't use Revolut here. Uh, I can't log in after installing the app. I've been banned. Um, people are, they're ignoring my request for money. And then, you know, <laughs> every other one is how can what's an alternative to Revolut?" Mm. So. Uh, I think the firm is, we, we've spoken about this previously, but I think the company is suffering from a, a severe case of sort of too big, too soon, especially when it comes to customer acquisition and customer care. Um, a lot of money being spent on expansion uh, and the development of new products and services, not so much on the the backend stuff. And there's, 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 it flags up that problem of like, if you are going to be a digital bank, uh, a digital first with no physical locations and, if you're going to operate on a chat basis, then you need to have the ability to answer queries like this quickly. And you also need to have the ability for those people you do employ in the back office to deal with these things, to have easy access to the issues at hand, uh, instead of having to palm people off uh, one after another as each representative, I I assume, this is me assuming here, um, finds out they they don't have either the authority or the ability to to explain in, in layman's terms, what's happened to, an enormous amount of money. Um, $90,000 is, you know, that is not a small amount of money for someone to 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 lose. Um, it's more money than I've ever seen <laughs> had in my bank account, I can tell you that much. Uh, do you
2: know what I mean? I think that's another thing to highlight is that it's a lot of money, you know? 90 grand, you can do a lot with $90,000. Like, you'll pretty much have a down payment for a house, like, and a good one at that. You know, and the other thing that I wanted to mention was that he even tried to um, close his account as well. So once uh, Revolut got wind of this, let's be real, that's exactly what happened. Um, They then, when I was about to hit publish on Friday, uh, decided to give him his money back at exactly 5.30 p.m. on Friday. And um, so then on the on the Monday, he then contacts me saying, yes, I've got the, the money, but I just want to like, close my account. And on the Tuesday, he was like, turns out I can't actually close my account. Here's a screenshot of the error messages I keep getting when trying to leave. <laughs> so it's like they're holding him hostage. Oh, and the fun part was uh, so once his account was locked and he can get the, the 90 grand, he was constantly asking, you know, where is it? And he took it to the ombudsman. And the ombudsman contacted Breville who finally responded to him. Their response was, we're so sorry about this. It was a transaction error, um, even though that was never brought up before the excuses were ranging from "It's a, it's not a swift transaction. And he obviously is a, a person who knows that it was a swift transaction. And to, um, oh, it, it must be KYC. And then from KYC to the final excuse, which was transaction data uh, error. And the funny part about that was like, oh, I know we've done this. We still haven't given you your money, but here's a, a premium account <laughs> on us. Here's a free premium account subscription on us. And he was like, oh, the only thing I want to do is just leave. <laughs> like I just wanted my money and, and to close my account, which is still not not doing. So I thought that it was a, a bit strange that they're now holding the hostage. And of course, with the several people out there who have been hitting up the, the comments section of the previous revolute story um about the lawsuit in Romania we do see you we do hear you Um, it's a shame that this is happening but um my only advice if I can give advice that is this is heavily caveated I'm not sure I can but do try and raise it with the ombudsman they can try and actually um get it for you he was lucky in this occasion but um hopefully you can be too Um, but Ike did you have any thoughts at all to to share with us about this
1: yeah, I, I was thinking it is sad to hear about this news where it's not supposed to happen at the very first place. Okay. So this basically is breaking the trust from the customers to the bank. So it's affecting their reputations and also the trust. So I think the, as a bank, as a unicorn which we, sh- we, we would do expect that revenue can maintain a transparency in how they handle the customers money. So that probably they need to have some sort of SLA between the customers and the bank as well, so that you will be able to respond back to any of the customer's complaints. So in, uh, within a short time, whether, you, whether, whether within a, a week or two, so we should get it settled rather than keep it actually uh, open and endless in this case.
0: part two of the podcast. This is our more interview style section. Sharon's going to be asking some questions to UK in a moment, but I'm just going to give him a chance to introduce himself a little bit more, uh, talk a little little bit about InfoPro uh, and the solutions and services it offers. So uh, take it away, UK.
1: Okay, thank you, Alex. Uh, Basically, uh, I'm the chief digital officer in InfoPro's, where I'm specializing in technology enablement digital transformations and innovation across the financial industry. I work with both incumbents and new challenger banks in the strategy propositions and digitalizations. Now that's about my role in InfoPro. So InfoPro is a technology company uh, with uh, 34 years in the business. Okay, it is not a young fintech company. So what we do is we are very focused in servicing banks and financial institutions with our award-winning solutions which is specializing in digital banking, core banking, risk and compliance, and lastly, the AI and data analytics.
2: Oh, and congratulations, Infopro, for being named the best core banking solution at the 2020 Banking Technology Awards. Can you tell us a little bit more about your award-winning tech?
1: Um, Banking ecosystems is uh, getting very complex nowadays. So a bank may normally end up, running more than 30 software products supplied by different vendors so the complexity in implementing a unified and holy, holistic ai driven strategy across all these software products is daunting and almost impossible therefore we cr- created our next generation banking platform which we call it as ai driven digital banking platforms to solve this problem okay the Full banking solution is designed with a Lego blocks concept, where banks can pick and choose the needed modules and products or services to build their banks. So this is a composable capabilities that allowing them to actually create a design a bank that is very uniquely uh, streamlined to their business strategy. So you can deploy a uh, retail banking, corporate banking virtual banking, or even just an online lending platform very quickly with our ready-made services. Okay. The best thing is that all these 52 products or services that we have under our portfolios are built on top of the AI-driven framework. The AI services can be reused and adopted across front office, middle office, and back office for uniformity and cost savings. Imagine that this is uh, a, a, a AI powerhouse that actually comes with various AI uh, capabilities to be used by all the different products. For instance, the product recommendation can be actually called from uh, front-end uh, customer's apps or from the customer uh relationship uh, manager applications. So. We are trying to capitalize on the investment into the AI so that we can reuse it in all the different use cases. Okay.
2: And your solution is built on your AI-driven banking platform. What is your strategy for AI? And why should banks be adopting AI-driven banking? Um,
1: the emerge of the new AI technologies such as uh, the machine learning deep learning, and natural language processing are among the technologies which help us to make the complex or advanced analysis and automation possible in banking. Hence, we're improving the speed, the consistency, and the accuracies in the banking processes. The next generation's core banking solution is made efficient and powerful with these AI technologies. Okay, so AI comes into picture to help addressing a few key areas. Number one is to improve the customers, uh, to help the customer, uh, to help the bank to grow the customer base. So by actually improving the customer experience, providing a better customer engagement, knowing the customer's need and provide a call to actions at the right moment. So this will help to provide a satisfaction to the customers and improve the customer acquisition's uh, winning rates. Number two is to lowering the operational uh, cost. Now we know that a typical Fintech bank will run at uh, almost half of the uh, this uh, cost to income ratio as compared to a traditional banks. So how we normally do this is by infusing a lot of automations and efficiency in the operations. OK, so this can be actually uh, materialized by using the AI technologies to help us to augment the human decisions or even to automate a lot of uh, uh, complex processes. The third one is enhancing the operational efficiencies. So in this area, we are talking about the advanced uh, analysis capability and decisionings. So we will be able to help the management to make a better informed decisions. So we will be able to improve the uh, visibilities of the managers looking at their business and their performance or their customer relationship. So that will help them to uncover the uh, right insights that will help them to actually uh, take corrective actions as and when it is necessary. Okay.
2: And what makes a next generation banking solution? And how is InfoPro's AI-driven banking platform designed to meet those expectations?
1: Um, it, the futures of uh, the future expectation of a new core banking should come with uh, three key things. Okay, number one, which is composable. Secondly, which is uh, cloud. And the third one is uh, ecosystems. So you will find these words are quite familiar where fintechs are talking about it, especially the core banking solution providers. So we make our solutions uh, composable in the way that it comes with modular and yet pre-integrated platforms. So you have your choice to pick and choose the relevant products or services to build your bank. Okay, you have the list of services and APIs for you to actually configure the behaviors of your products. Okay, and also to integrate to any third-party systems to value adds to your service offerings to your customers. Secondly, it's on the cloud. Okay, Definitely, uh, banking today, we are taking the advantage of the elastic scalability for a long-term cost savings. Okay, so this is particularly suitable for a greenfield new startup bank where they start small and they scale in years to come. Where they do not have to worry about the high capex at the beginning where they can just spend as per use. Okay. The last one is on the ecosystem where banks are no longer dominant today, where they need to actually work with somebody to seize the, the market's share and continue to grow into a new segments or new industries of such that was contributed by their partners in the ecosystems. Okay. This is to ensure that the bank can continue to be, uh, uh to stay relevant in the market within the financial inc- ecosystems. Now, beyond these three pointers, um, the data strategy become one of the most important factors also in our opinion. With that, we, in InfoPro, we actually introduce the fourth capability, which is the AI-driven capability. That is why we invented into designing our AI-driven banking platforms to power up our entire core banking solution with all these four capability, which is a composable Cloud, ecosystems, as well as AI-driven.
2: And digitization has forced banks to accelerate their transformation journey. What digital transformation has taken place, and what is InfoPro's strategy for your customers?
1: Among our customers, banks are investing heavily into technology enablement to seize the market share from the peers and fintech. Depending on the states of their digital maturity, the digitalization on a legacy system is often... Deployed across four focus areas. Number one, which is digitalizing their customer experience. Secondly, which is digitalizing the back office and the back end processes. Third, is uh, to digitalizing their risk and compliance. This is the areas where you see their 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 newborn tech companies providing a new uh, regulatory solutions to address certain niche problems. And the last one, which is the deploying a data and AI strategy to improve their customer acquisition strategy and to to sustain their business growth. Okay. So among the four, most banks are investing heavily on the customer experience. Okay. Probably this is something that you can see and you can get the immediate feedback uh, or benefits from, from your investment. And they spend relatively less on the other threes. Okay, but uh, this is, again, because now it's just the uh, 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 the beginnings of the AI-driven uh, this uh, banking era in a way that in the years to come, we will see that there are more and more initiative or investment into the second, third, and fourth areas. Okay, On the other hand, uh, FinTech and Startup Challenger banks are taking the full advantage of the technology to overrun the incumbents in all these four areas. So that makes themselves more optimized and relevant since their inception. Okay. Now, InfoPro is among the very few solution providers who has the capability to power up a full commercial banking platform. Indeed, we are the first in the region who are in the process of acquiring a new digital banking license in Philippines. So we are expecting to launch our own digital bank this year.
0: Here we are in part three for the fintech jail. Uh, This is where we ask for an industry term buzzword or trend our guests had enough of and they want to see the back of sharon and i will then debate whether it deserves a place in our fintech penitentiary or if it's already locked up in there whether it deserves an extended sentence so ek you've brought a term with you that you want to see uh removed from the industry what, what is uh what is your term uh
1: i, I would like to suggest you lock down this super apps okay the term super app i think has been abused by among the fintechs okay rival actually venturing into the uh, payment wallets, or even a new digital banks, everybody is saying that they are actually building the next generation of super app where they will be actually having access to many, many apps from their partners. Okay. But in actual, we do not see much of the successful uh, uh, of cases. So we only see those like WeChat, Alipay, Grab, and GoJet, which are amongst the very successful uh, super apps uh, in the market. But other than that, they are just merely uh, glamorized, okay, the company's apps offerings, okay, to to get the attention from the VCs for the investments.
0: Very interesting. I think um, I think a lot of the terms that we have locked away in the jail definitely are guilty of being used to get the attention of VCs. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that's an interesting point you make there, Ike, about the um, the big, the big uh, super apps and air quotes that you may Grab, Alipay. Um, uh, chat that kind of stuff, um, have probably graduated past the point of really calling themselves super apps. Uh, it seems to be a label that has been given by others to them. And then uh, the fa- fast followers, I guess you could say, but not even fast followers, have decided they want to try and grab as much of the pie as possible uh, and are sort of using it as a, as a label to, to grab people's attentions before they've even managed to diversify their offerings. So I think definitely, there's definitely... Uh, an argument to be had that it needs to be locked away. Uh, what do you think, Sharon?
2: Yeah, I would say it's kind of similar to um, when we were talking about embedded finance as well. And we we locked that up in there as well. And it's just about this catch-all, um, you know, jazzy term to just say that we do loads of stuff. <laughs> um, but um, this is a question that you end up asking some of our guests as well, which is what would you use um, if we were to banish super app, how would you describe this uh, movement or, or term? That's to either you, Alex, or, or EK. What What's your preference on a
0: different term? I'll, I'll let EK lead with this one. I'm, I'm definitely not uh, knowledgeable enough to suggest a replacement. Uh,
1: I think the problem with the super apps here is that there is no definition because it's a new words by itself. Okay, so uh, that's why I think... Uh, it is actually, uh, uh, among the candidates that we can consider the lockdown and I don't have any other suitable words to replace this. We definitely, uh, we, we've definitely locked up other candidates, haven't we? Or
0: thought considered locking up other candidates like platformification and, and all kinds of things like that. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think, I think that's the issue, isn't it? We, we don't uh, but we're not I'm not I'm not a marketing genius by any stretch of the imagination. The person who employed me as a as a marketing assistant ten years ago will be able to tell you that if you want to find them. But um I, I yeah, I I can't think of a reason for it. But I don't know whether that means it shouldn't go in the jail. I'm not sure. What do you think, Sharon?
2: Yeah, that's what I was trying to to think. And remember what we did um in the vein of the embedded finance argument where the you know uh the person who was there, uh Vinoff Jay Akuma, just said, get straight to the point. Um and that embedded finance is tapped by large insurance firms or telecom companies when you have something that's not financial and use a platform like Rails Bank or Mambu to provide a service to allow them to sell banking to their subscribers. And I guess in a similar vein, it's just essentially inserting other sort of, you know, uh app equipment into your existing app in order to call yourself a super app. But I would say just it's still the app, you know, that's it's just an app <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't mind putting this one either in quarantine or some sort of solitary confinement just for a year and a bit and see if someone, you know, can really think of a, a different term to describe it. Because it's, it's not super in any way, shape or form. It's just, you know, if Uber starts, you, you know, with their Uber Eats, I didn't call it anything else. I you know, it was just an app. <laughs> so I didn't call it super app and that's not going to catch on in the mainstream anytime soon so yeah that, that's how I feel about it uh, Alex do you agree with my sentence do you think it should be a bit you no know, more more harsher
0: no no I, I agree I mean I don't think I've ever um, someone's ever said um, let's get some takeaway and I'm like hold on I'll just open my super app so yeah I think <laughs> that, um, that's going to be catching on anytime soon so yeah no I, I think that's that's fair Well, that's all we have time for for this episode of What the Fintech. Uh, Thanks to Sharon and Ek for joining me. But before we sign off, uh, we've got a chance to plug some socials, websites, publications, webinars, all sorts. Uh, Ek, you're up first. Is there anything you'd like to point our listeners in the direction of?
1: Thank you, Alex. Uh, You may visit us in our website at uh, www.infopro.com.my. You can also find us on LinkedIn at InfoPro and also my personal LinkedIn's on uh, at Angkor E-N-G-K-O-K. Thanks. Great. Uh, Sham, what about yourself?
2: You can find me at Fintech Kits. That's Fintech the way you spell it. And Kits, like football kits. Um, So K-I-T-S. Also, I am plugging uh, various things today. So here we go. So the first one is my feature that we just talked about, the Revolut. Uh, ninety thousand pounds being frozen from the investment manager who, uh, since received it after a two months long journey. Um, and now he's trying to close his account and he cannot. So, give that a click on our website, fintechfutures.com. Um, I'll also be tweeting about it so you can find it there too. Um, on my Twitter account. Uh, another thing is, uh, also our reporter Ruby uh, did some investigative journalism too, so she had a story. Uh, about Wirex, um, and it's how the FCA uh, essentially only just started cracking down on Wirex after two years um, of having received uh, some whistleblower information and not acting upon it. So please do find that as well and give that a read on our website. Um, and another thing, as my uh, wonderful host uh, said uh, last, I think it was just last week or even yesterday, actually, is that I should plug my cat Shuri's Instagram account. So that's what I'm going to do. She's going crazy. And that's probably been uh, the re- result of the background noise on my end. <laughs> um, so you can find her adventures on Instagram at Shuri the short hair. And that's Shuri S-H-U-R-I the short hair. Okay. Cause that's her, her breed. She's a British short hair. Um, and I think that's about that. Otherwise keep your eyes peeled for the banking technology. April edition um yeah that's that's me
0: (laughs) amazing it's a prerequisite these days that when you when you get a pet that you must create an Instagram account for them um yes (laughs) as a person who doesn't take very many photos I can only imagine the incredible percentage uptick of photos I'll take when I do get a get a pet um but as for me on the socials you can find me on twitter at at adhamilton91 uh, and on LinkedIn, just by searching my name and also uh, almost immediately prior to the recording of this podcast, I was uh, on a webinar um, with Tableau talking about the power of data analytics in fintech solutions, uh, talking about the report we published early this year, uh, featuring sur- a survey into the, uh, the data preferences and predictions of- from our uh, audience of fintech professionals and bankers. Uh, uh, if you tune in purely for the first, which I compare a modern data center to an ancient Akkadian cuneiform tablet because I have to um, get some value out of my master's degree in ancient history in any way, shape or form. As for uh, FinTech Futures, you can find us online at www.fintechfutures.com on Twitter at at fintechfutures and on LinkedIn by searching fintechfutures and looking for our logo with the two Fs if you like this podcast and our other episodes then please remember to subscribe if you're not already on Apple Podcasts Spotify SoundCloud or your favourite podcasting and listening service of choice Uh, we'd always really appreciate any feedback uh, and also if you could help listeners find the podcast Uh, so do that by writing a review or recommending us to a friend Uh, Thanks for any and all support. Uh, We will see you soon for another episode of What the FinTech. Uh, But until then, goodbye.